What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 348. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by... Ron. And John. And I'm glad to see you. Look at that. He's got a little little, little zinger there. I like it. Super happy to be here, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This does feel like a a hard-fought episode. We had had like a one-day postponement last week, and then we had like the bad weather that was actually knocking out people's electricity and and air conditioning, and and then we uh, here we are, finally. We made it. Yeah. Maybe bad. And some of that, some of that, some of those problems are still unresolved. Yes, we have AC in our house right now that the guy came out and he basically said, I'm surprised this could possibly work, but he was able to literally wiggle the wires they just oh, kick wow. it on this control panel. But I mean, like, that's what I was getting ready to do today. Yeah, the guy came yeah. back out and wiggled the wires again and said the part should be here soon. But it's like, we really think that, like, it was working fine. And then when it reached the temperature, because like they fixed it and then it was yeah. running and we were sitting we were starting to celebrate like oh my god it's so nice in this house again and yeah. then like we think that the machine like shutting down it shuttered and shook the wall i mean it, i think it's that delicate of a thing that, that like that starting yeah. or stopping it would be enough so i mean i could go out there and you know shake a wire and hope i was doing something but i could also probably shock myself so i'm i'm just gonna wait for that part to come in but <laughs> but yes right now we have air so it's amazing how much you like your house again when you can go to any part of it and yeah. not be just sweating uh i was gonna say like a pig or like a dog but you know neither of those animals sweat we really should pick an animal that sweats yeah i'll be right back with you guys on that how's everybody yeah. doing yeah, go, go research that <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm doing good man it's good to see you guys yeah, man, that's it's it's good. We're back. We're back in the swing of things, man. Yeah, it was good. Anybody <clears throat> want to take a guess? The sweatiest animals. Uh, oh, see, ne- neither one surprises me. Well, pigs don't sweat. Pigs roll in the mud to cool up. Ooh. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Animals. Dogs pant instead of sweating. That's why dogs are always oh, on that tip. Shit. Um. <laughs> just think of an animal that you might think of as running and like slick with sweat and you might even have heard about this animal being sweaty a sweaty a horse horse is one of the sweatiest animals but the other one i would say that's no big surprise is the hippo apparently perspires quite a bit too wow interesting we never have guessed it horses and hippos Horses, horses and Yeah. So next time someone that, says, I feel uh, like that's I, the name. I, I, that's the new name of the podcast. <laughs> that's the new. That's, that's your next album, John. <laughs> next time someone says, "I sweat like a pig," though, say, "Um, actually, uh, don't you mean <laughs> you sweat like a hippo or a horse?" <laughs> and accept either one. That's <laughs> nuts. Oh man! All right, cool. Well, um, got a pretty awesome podcast lined up here today. Um, we're gonna go talk about some of this. Uh, last week, there's a bit of a, a shakeup in the streaming, really streaming and theatrical world uh, with, with uh, Warner Discovery kind of making these huge announcements about what they're doing with their streaming platforms, what they're doing with some of the movies that are in production, shows in production, movies that are already yeah. pretty much done. Um, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that here at the top of the show. Then we'll get into our required viewing selection this week, which was Ronald's pick. And uh, then we'll go um, into the new Hulu film, the new Hulu original film, Prey, which came out last Friday, which is um, a Predator prequel um, directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who um, we talked about before with 10 Cloverfield Lane. But he also did like the uh, pilot episode for The Boys. 
Um, but mm, yeah. he's, uh, you know, kind of becoming more and more known with each thing he does. So we'll, we'll talk about that a lot more here at the end of the episode or towards the back half of the episode. Um, but yeah, so let's jump into this. Uh, we we, we kind of had going back on our, our thread last week, just sharing like links and posts and tweets and stuff like back yeah. and forth. Even before Warner had their like kind of presentation towards the end of the week on Thursday. Well, I think it was their, their earnings call. I think it was. But um. I guess the thing that kind of kicked it off, there were there were some rumblings even in the weeks prior with yeah, some yeah. shows that were canceled or shows that were renewed, not renewed. Some shows that were like some animated shows that were already completed that had basically just been shelved. Um, even announcements that they that basically they weren't going to be doing a lot of uh, pursuit of like family programming on HBO Max anymore, unless there was some sort of financial incentive. But the big thing that happened last week was that they basically announced that they were taking Batgirl, which is an upcoming or was an upcoming DC property that was exclusively for HBO Max, was a Max original um, uh, directed by Adil and Bilal, who got the guys that did the Bad Boys um, 3 yeah, Bad Boys 3 uh, feature back in 2020 and it's never going to come out it's not coming out on HBO Max it's not coming out on theaters, they can't sell it and release it any other way because it has something to do with some sort of loophole tax a tax write off yeah it's like yeah, if but it's it, going but, to be a write off they can't release it in any form basically right but the write off that they're taking advantage of is something that they had to take advantage of within a period of time of the merger yeah. so these things that they're doing whether it's Batgirl and they also announced that the the Scoob sequel which was a, i think a Halloween themed sequel um Basically, the same fate is shared by both. With both movies were basically done and deep and deep in post production, um, done shooting for the most part, I believe, and um, yeah, just like lit the social media on fire by making these announcements. Specifically, the Batgirl, um, just because of what it was to be for these Max originals and these the idea of having um, this content in the DC world, uh, you know on their streaming platform and, and it's it's no more and and the whole pivot is pretty a pretty big one and you know the more information that came out on thursday you know kind of made the picture a little clearer but i mean what what were you guys thinking you know when we started going back and forth about these announcements i guess start with batgirl specifically and, and just kind of what that means for hbo max or streaming or just theatrical and there's just such a lot there, there's so much to talk about just we'll try to condense it as much as possible here at the top of the show but First takes, first feelings when you saw that article um, that kind of broke about Batgirl. What do you, I, mean, I guess, John, start with your initial take on it. I mean, I, uh, there is this level of production value that they put into sort of the CW shows that are kind of that people like because it's a it's an extension of a kind of connected universe. Right. And then it, they announced all these these. Um, HBO Max projects, or they started announcing them. I mean, there's been a few things that sound like maybe they're going to be prestige projects, like they're connected to the the Batman film. They're, right. Uh, but there's also this kind of level where the Batgirl movie seemed like it was going to exist in between maybe the world of like the CW style and quality level and the movies. It always seemed like maybe it was going to be a disconnected universe or something, you know, like maybe they're not going to try to link it up to their cinematic, whatever they're trying to do cinematically that is very vague at this point anyway. Right. Um, 
And so the fact that it was pitched, I think the Blue Beetle movie was similarly announced. It's yes, like it was going to be exactly. an HBO Max original. And so it just makes you think, well, maybe they're going to have a chance to do something that's a little bit of a different level, uh, doesn't have the pressure of one of these huge tentpole movies on it, but can bring some of these other characters in. So, so I mean, I don't think my hopes were necessarily that high about this movie. It became more intriguing to me when I heard that... Um, you know, who was involved on the creative side, that these are people, like, they had done a couple episodes of Miss Marvel, too, the directing yeah. team. So there's this evidence that they can do something that's kind of bright and proud-pleasing. Uh, proud Crowd-pleasing. Um, so I don't know. I mean, again, the movie really didn't really get on my radar, except for that fact, and then the fact that Michael Keaton's Batman was supposed to pop up in it after or before or somehow tied in with his reappearance as Batman in the Flash film, which I think we should talk a little bit about that film in a second. Um, I don't know. Th there's just something about this project that sounded like it was it was humming along, and you know they spent supposedly ninety to a hundred million dollars on it, and I guess I've heard that test screenings were were pretty negative or something. There was some indication that that the that would make them at this point you're talking about, Steve, that this movie's vulnerable to that tax write-off status when this kind of merger happens, because otherwise you are publicizing, putting something out, whatever it is. I don't know that I believe the quality of this movie has that much to do with the way that it's being shelved. Um, maybe the new management doesn't want to release things that are of a different level than what's considered like cinematic blockbuster status. Yeah, for sure. I still think it's a little strange because there's already so many different DC universe things going on with the different TV shows I just mentioned and even the animated offerings they have. So yeah, it, it, I, I guess I, I don't have strong feelings about the movie itself, I do think it seems unfortunate uh, that the representation aspect of this, you know, the, the the like who the lead character is and and who the actor is and the 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 creators behind it. I don't know. There's a lot about this movie that seems like it's a real, it's a mystery to me what the movie would have been. But it's it's hard for me to believe that the quality level of of this movie is so low that it deserves to be treated unlike almost any other thing you've heard of recently, right, where right. it's all but finished and they're just going to say no, you can't see it, you, you know, and it's gone. And and in order for them to have that write off, they have to sit on it. It has to be disappeared forever. So yeah, I don't know. I it, I like I think my interest in the movie shot up exponentially when I thought <laughs> like, oh, so so what is this movie that made them make this bizarre decision? You know, I can't believe that it's that bad and I also can't believe that they have such a clear picture of what they want to do that this movie doesn't fit it. Um yeah, it it it's very strange. I mean, it's it, I, people across the industry are very much criticizing this choice, you know, a lot of the directors that and creative people I follow on Twitter are saying all that, like, this is just not the way to treat a film that people yeah. worked hard on. What do you think, Ronald? Yeah. I mean, it, it breaks my heart. Like it, you know, I, I've, I've compared a lot of the DC stuff to like feeling like CW productions and stuff like that. And some of the CW DC stuff kind of being mediocre, but there are some good things that come out of it. So the idea of, you know, if you, if you've been involved in any sort of production and you know that there's light people and sound people and editors and things like that, the fact that these people will not have a piece of their resume that, that was huge. I mean, this is sounded like it was groundbreaking. We have a Latina Batgirl with this cool story and, Batman um, coming back, the old Batman is really cool. One thing I really want to talk about is the wave of hyperbole that kind of started around the time of that stuff. Um, if you if you if you know anything about stocks and anything like that, because I'm starting to, you know, you and I are starting to get the stocks, and you know, I, one thing I know about acquisition 
is that nothing happens at the drop of a hat. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It, it, right. it may feel like it, you know, this 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 sort of uh, highlight reel sort of thing that they do where they're just like, this is done, this is done. That's that's not how acquisition works. It just isn't how it works. So I, I'd like, I think I fed into it a little more than I should have. And I knew that some of these things weren't going to completely disappear. That's that's just not the way that it works. Not not when a not when a company's taken over another company. It takes maybe like close to a year before you really start to see like crazy crazy moves being made, right? Now, one thing I will talk about that that's related to all of this wave of information is two facts we know that have kind of come out, and I'm glad we're doing the podcast today. Blue Beetle is still in production and it, it seems to be on the safe side. That's 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 come out today. And that they were there were reshoots. This is I, this is why I'm bringing it back to you guys after I say this. Reshoots were done for the Flash. And and during the WB uh presentation, they made it very clear that this is like the flagship movie. Yeah. Now, we have just found out that uh Ezra has gotten in trouble for a burglary and it's getting to the point now where it feels like there's a kind of exhausting their options with him with them them yes. uh apologize uh, uh it's hard uh, yes right yes Apologies exhausting <laughs> yeah yeah exhausting the options with them so what i what i what i'm gonna ask you you guys is overall okay so i'll finish this the whole thought with I was I was very invested in the hyperbole. I knew that some things were going to remain. I'm glad that things aren't completely done yet. And uh, two things, I guess, the idea that Discovery Plus and HBO Max, which I've heard for close to like eight months, is going to be a thing. I mean, I, I heard that quite a while ago when when you first got news that Discovery was coming to eat Warner Brothers up and AT and T was getting rid of them. Yeah. Right. What I want to ask you guys is, it, hey, not, how do you? Is feel- it not wild to you that Discovery is larger than Warner Brothers in that situation, yes. or larger than HBO? Okay, yes, that's blowing my yeah. mind. <laughs> so I guess what I want to ask you guys is, a, how do you guys feel about the idea that these two services are definitely coming together? And b, what do you think about the idea that Ezra Miller's Flash is kind of, even in the presentation? kind of the movie that is the highlight of this new iteration of the movie that's too big to fail the movie that's too much of a load-bearing movie for them to shit can the way they did batgirl how do you how do you guys feel about those two ideas because they're kind of related because like they're going they're, they're getting rid of them it seems like the model of like movies coming to the service is gone that's dead or, or at least at that scale. I think that's the differentiation yeah, so that's is that guess, like yeah. he kept making comments about like, you know, movies. Well, so conversations around DC movies, like superhero mm-hmm. movies on a scale yeah. that it should only be in theaters. But like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they're going to do with any kind of original movie for a streaming service, that it would not be at that scale. You know, mm-hmm. something <clears throat> something that's like in this weird, you know, at least what they're claiming, this weird in between of being like a pretty high production value low compared to some superhero movies but high compared to other movies that are being made that are going straight to streaming services right you know yeah. at least for you know their experience in making these movies on their streaming service but i mean i think the the flash of it all i think it really just comes down to how how, how high they are 
on the movie. Again, test screenings have been like through the roof for, for the Flash yeah. movie. And it really does, for all, for all all accounts, really sound like it might be like the, the first like true home run for them. Okay. If, if, if they yeah. can get it into a theater, you know what I mean? Um, and, and I don't know, I don't know, I, I guess part of me really would be, man, a part of me would really be shocked if it didn't only because of how much has been spent on it and who is all in it and what's been shot for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's a much larger budget. The cast is much larger, even outside of Ezra Miller, and even though he's yeah. the star, they're, they're the star of the film. It's there, there's other things that that movie is from what I've read, you know, is, is, is doing beyond yeah. just being a flash yeah. movie. Yeah. And I think that, um, really a part of me feels like in their minds they have to like basically we, we've got to get to the flash we, we have to get to the point that we get that movie out I at mean, any they cost really, that's what i'm saying i don't I, it's hard to say like i feel like in a part of their mind they're probably thinking you know we've got to start getting these movies out whether you know basically black adam aquaman 2 um shazam are movies that they're pretty high on it seems and like they yeah. that that and again with the information that we get online now is like crazy you know the test screenings there's you know these accounts on twitter like yeah. where people report in from these test screenings that you know i i do read and you know those movies seem like they're testing really well and that's like a good sign for them doesn't mean the movies are good it just means that you know that's just the feedback they're getting with the cut that they're showing right now mm-hmm. but yeah. i just feel like um if they it a part of me feels like if they can get those movies out and get to the flash it's like that's the reset. It almost feels like, like yeah. he kept talking about resetting and talking about a ten-year plan. You know, bringing on Alan Horn, mm-hmm. who used to be over at Disney and was a part of what they kind of put together with Foggy, and even mentioning Kevin Foggy in his presentation. You know, they're 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 having that comp, and they want that, and they want that reset to happen. And it feels like the Flash movie is going to be that reset, or they're trying to make it that reset at least to feel like from there we will have a plan for ten years that will allow us to compete with Marvel more effectively um, and more successfully. But it's just, it's a weird thing to feel about the flash because, you know, apples to apples, like there's some pretty big problems with this movie, Mm -hmm. you know, with the star of the film. And it just yes. seems to getting it. It's, it literally gets worse every month. No, like legit legal issues where no, every time yeah. it's like a new yeah. crime and a new location. Right. You know, yes. and it's like it's wow. all around the world. And you know, like it's yeah. just like where have they gotten like uh, a warrant for their arrest this week? Which and is, also, like which here, is bad. Here, Ezra is someone who the appeal of them would be a quirky, fun likable underdog kind of vibe. And I think that's another thing that confounds this is that this was supposed to be like, that wasn't even supposed to be a problem with this movie. Do you know what I mean? Right. No, absolutely. Like what, what a good, it's like a good pairing, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. at least it seems like it on the surface, but it's just, it's just kind of compounded so much that I feel really weird saying it, but it's just like, part of me feels like how do you put this movie out when this is the star of the movie and how do you promote a movie and press for a movie and have people talk about the star of the movie and the movie when it's becoming this problematic when you have things to compare it to like a movie that you're shelving for eternity basically yeah <laughs> where there's really I, nothing wrong with that movie where the, the only crime was that it may have right. been like mid or it something may have been, exactly <laughs> yeah 
but I guess I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like how many women do they have to attack? Like, how, I mean, yeah. it's happened like two or three times at this point. Right. I'm like, is that is that not enough? The burglary isn't enough. Like, yeah. I can't figure out what is the line. And it, a and cult it, and it, in are, Iceland? Did I read that one right? <laughs> are you serious? Some, yeah, that's some, one of some the cult leader status of some he's got, group. He, but maybe he's got like, a le- or they've got allegedly have a cult that they may have started in Iceland. Okay. Huh. I, I mean, what? I don't so know. exactly which universe are we in? Maybe this is the universe <laughs> where the Flash is a weird asshole who has all these crimes. But yeah, Good. no, it's an unusual yeah. thing. But I kind of agree with you, Steve, that like they are just holding their nose and trying to get to the finish line. Yes. It's almost like they're yes. going for the uh, forgiveness over permission with, with having yeah. Ezra be in this yeah. movie. I think so, so. at the end, they can say, well, we won't make that mistake again, but look at the movie and look at what we set up and look who all's in it. And there's no way right. we can digitally remove that face and put Grant Gustin's face in this movie. So we're just going to go with what we've got um, or whatever yeah. they would do. Totally. And it's like whatever choice they wish they could go back to change how they made this movie, they would have to go back so far, you know, to be like crazy. Like, bro. let's fix the timeline and not hire Ezra Miller. And it's crazy to think of like how that did not seem like a dangerous choice to make. And I guess it never is when you don't know that an actor is, you know, yeah. toxic in that way. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be an interesting thing because, like, even like you mentioned, Ronald, like the more. You know, we're talking like literally four or five days go by and like, you know, you're getting more information about, like you said, the Blue Beetle and, you know, um, you know, the the Black Canary spinoff they mentioned is still yeah, in production. Still going, yeah. and, and, you know, some of these yeah. movies are getting like promoted, meaning, you know, they're going they're, they're basically taking them from the streaming service and they're going to be theatrical. Like that's what they're talking about with Blue Beetle. So there, there's there's factors in play somewhere where whether it's quality or scope or stakes you know, that was a big thing that kept coming out about the Blue Beetle stuff. I mean, about the um, Batgirl stuff was that like the movie felt really small in terms of stakes and villains and things like that. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there'll be even more information that come out, you know, between the, now and we record another podcast. I mean, it just seems like there's so much in flux right now. It's so fluid yeah. that, um, you know, m- they've got a pretty big undertaking, you know, in this merger of kind of clearing off a ton of debt that um warner media had or has and you know this is a way that they're trying to approach doing that um you know like i said at the top like there's already been a ton of shows you know and other other dc properties like the supergirl thing and the wonder twins like that all got just stopped yeah before it even got started you know so like they've really kind of there's consistency there in some way but you know it makes you wonder like the ones that are kind of okay you know, I guess they're at a different level or, you know, again, the scope or the stakes, something is there that they see value in still kind of trying to push this to a theatrical experience, which is really what they're kind of pivoting towards, which personally, real quick, like you talk about the stock stuff, Ronald, like, you know, obviously they took a big hit last week. The stock did when they had that earnings call, but it's crazy to me to think that like two years ago, the former CEO, Jason Kalar, like, he was all in on streaming. Like everything was streaming. Like Project mm-hmm. Pop, like Project Popcorn comes out yeah. and like completely blows up the theatrical exhibition industry about all the movies going to HBO yeah. and everybody's up in arms. And like you couldn't think of more of a 180 to be like, okay, well, we're canceling movies that we're gonna be for the service. We're only doing theatrical. Like, like they they literally feel like they're in ways trying to kill the streaming service by saying yeah. these movies that would cause people to sign up 
for a DC experience that's only available here are not going to happen anymore. We're not yeah. going to have family programming. We're not going to have you know a lot of scripted series that were in production for HBO Max. Like HBO's fine. It's just yeah. crazy to me to think about what a pivot has happened in less than two years. Mm-hmm. And and this and the and the irony I think um, is that the 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 the, the real um, <laughs> what is it. Uh, I guess the irony, whatever. I, I'm missing a word, but the 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 take is is that HBO Max is one of the best streaming services around, mm-hmm. legitimately. And, and they literally just want to like. It feels like they really don't care anymore yeah. about having HBO Max. It's, did they not know that audiences feel that way? I mean, did they, they not like the, even the, down to the interface? This is one of the apps that people say, "Oh, I actually like HBO Max," but they also do have a lot. Like right now, under their umbrella, there's a lot yeah. of stuff, and maybe that's yeah. changing by the minute. But like sure. what you said about the different shows, that some HBO stuff, like if it says HBO, it's safe. If it's HBO Max, it might not be safe. Right. I think mm-hmm. most of the shows that we talk about on this show, like Hacks and Peacemaker and Our Flag Means Death and stuff, I feel like that stuff is probably probably safe but it's yeah. ambiguous like our flag means death barely got a, a second season renewal, announcement yeah, right. before before this announcement came out so right, i mean i think true. that like the discovery people the when they talk about this they say no we intend to do a lot of great scripted stuff with hbo mm-hmm. but right now i mean like that doesn't change the fact that supposedly there's talk of cutting like 70 percent of the people working on the scripted side yeah. of development right. yeah. so maybe they have their own way of they're going to redevelop things or they're going to bring things. But I, it's like it feels like a strange paradigm shift, even if, as you've said, by the time this episode comes out, we could already have some information that makes some of this stuff seem less crazy. Yeah, I do yeah. think most people that are listening should know most like the shows that are getting award nominations and the critical acclaim and that everyone's raving about. Those shows are probably safe. Mm. The ones you need to worry about are those little odd shows that you may have liked on this service that you're like, oh, this is a cool thing. Like. That stuff is probably on the bubble. And as you said, Steve, there's a lot of programming they've just shut down that they're not going to do. Um, so it's, I, it's crazy. I listen to John Campius podcast and uh, he has some like friends that work in the inside. And he was basically saying that the 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 overlapping, the, the reason why the people are being laid off is the overlapping. They they think that the, there's some redundancy in HBO Max and HBO proper writers it just doesn't make any sense to have two sets so they're going to consolidate them into one group writing for both versus there being allocation for money for hbo max writers versus they they're two buildings that don't that that aren't near each other apparently yeah sure and they're trying to put them all in one building have them all making one group of content which makes sense a little more like I mean, obviously, it's terrible that people are getting fired. I mean, that that's awful. But the idea of redundancy should make more sense if you think about the fact that two services are existing under the same umbrella, but not under the same roof. And if, so, as Steve said, they're trying to they're trying to wipe away as much debt as possible in this yeah. acquisition. So, I mean, that's still yeah. you're right. It's still scary. When you hear about that, many super scary, jobs, man. I, but. I don't want anybody to lose a job. I mean, like, you know, as as much as I want there to be some consolidation, maybe if it saves them some money and, or whatever, because that I don't want anybody to get fired. But that just comes with the territory of acquisition. man. it just is. It's a brutal thing. I worked at XM when Sirius bought them and it, and it was the same thing. Like you, you go to a meeting where everybody's like, hey. 
we love you guys. You're the greatest guys ever. And then you get fired a week later. It's just the way that it works. That is business. So, but let me you ask know. you this real quick. So everything you said, sure, sure, sure. that's true. Obviously, like that all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Name three Discovery scripted series. Um, 90 Day Fiance. They have that spinoff show. Is that scripted? Uh, <laughs> oh, scripted. Scripted, yeah. There aren't, there aren't any. Oh, do, do you do you count those murder shows? Aaron watches think, all those murders. I don't think I, those count as scripted, but okay, technically okay, so they like, are probably. So, so John, John and Steven, <laughs> those don't count as scripted. There's no script. I don't yeah. know any scripted. I, I only say that because like what you said is true. Like there's yeah. there's two camps, there's two facilities, yeah. there's tons of writers. They've got, you know, they're, they're gonna they're gonna consolidate, they're gonna cut. But I just think that that really feels like the way they talked about it in their earnings call and like even some of the reporting that came out in the days prior, like the idea of cutting, possibly cutting 70% of the scripted staff from HBO Max, yeah. when you're saying you have all this staff at Discovery, I just feel like what is one known for versus the other and why cut the staff from the place that has primarily scripted yeah. versus yeah. reality? Like, it, I think that's what everybody's like reaction to it is, is that, it yeah. seems like the flip of what it should be. Right, right. And and it's it's almost like they're doing that because again, probably cost savings, you know, redundancy, like probably maybe maybe things went a little wild at HBO Max or Warner Media while Kalar, Jason Kalar was there, which apparently mm. it did, and that's why they're in so much debt. But I just like, you know, just the logic of it is so weird to me to like when I think of Discovery, which some people don't even realize Discovery has a streaming platform. A lot you know, of people don't know. It's just like, oh, you think of like a lot of reality, you know, lifestyle stuff. Like that's really what you think or I think of. And it seems like the programming looks like. So yeah. um, I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. But it's just a weird it's a weird situation. And it's definitely something. This is like the, um, you know, phase two or three of the streaming wars. You know, if you think about it, it because nuts, it's man. like this is the switch is that like mm -hmm. things changed a little bit. Netflix got shook up. I think the streaming platforms got a little scared and now they're like, yeah. okay, well, we're not going to spend $90 million on a movie that people will probably talk about for two days. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what that looks like, I guess. And if they then said this isn't good enough to put out in theaters and spend another right. 90 right. million to 100 million on marketing, or if not more yeah, than that, yeah. you know, at yeah. base level for to, yeah. to, to, to get a return on it. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, I, th I think we're all very pro- the art side of it, if you can call a Batgirl movie art, I don't know, but like, sure it is. We're, we're, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying though. I'm not calling it high art, but we're pro the creative side of it. So it's like definitely the movie is we're on the side of the movie, but I think some of these business forces that we're talking about, it's interesting to try to understand what would lead to what sounds like a losing position to, yeah. to shelve a movie that costs that much. But if it's yep. worth more as a tax write-off than it is to spend the marketing budget, they would need to do this, especially if, as you said, Steve, it's a ultimate ultimately going to be a a blip on the radar of yeah. of the conversation out there. And I guess that's where the that's where the you, you can't agree or disagree because you don't know with the decision that this movie wouldn't have galvanized fans or whatever. I mean, I feel like that's where it seems like maybe they're being a little cautious that it's possible this movie could have had a, a passionate audience that would have made it, you know, worth it for the service in terms yeah. of clicks and all that kind of stuff. But it's always vague how that stuff works anyway, you know, how 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 many plays or how many downloads or whatever they call it like and would a movie like this eventually then go to a streaming like you know like for sale on other services it seems like they just had no faith in it for for whatever yeah. reason yeah 
So do you think we'll ever, I mean, I guess you, you won't see it, but it's crazy to think that a movie, that someone, you know, won't Robin Hood that fucker out into the cosmos somewhere. That, that, that That's what you hope for, I guess. I don't want to say that on a podcast, yeah. but yeah, you, you almost root that like somebody's like, I, I've been seeing those, uh, it's going around just like the the meme of uh mike from breaking bad or from better call saul mm-hmm. like this is what you're gonna do you're gonna go into the Warner discovery office <laughs> this is what you're gonna with, do with a flash drive you're gonna 32 go gigabytes, warner brothers no more no less <laughs> it's just like i'm like that's kind of what i need that's what that's what we're gonna need to probably get the batgirl out there yep, is some I'm very sure. clear directions and uh, a very focused operative um but yeah i don't know we'll see man i mean obviously things are still shaking out and i'm sure that won't be the first or the last i mean i'm sorry it won't be the last um kind of weird thing to happen with whatever they're trying to do over there and obviously we'll keep tracking what's going on with the flash uh movie but um let's uh let, let's move on a little bit and uh ronald let's get into your required viewing you want to talk to us a little bit about raging fire yeah, so um, Raging Fire is a film that is considered an American 2012 2021. release. 2021. 2020. <laughs> no, no, no. That's even... It's an American <laughs> 2022 release. A, <laughs> uh, hey. it, came out over, it came out overseas 2021, but it came out in theaters this year. Um, is Benny Chan's uh, Raging Fire starring uh donnie yen it is a a story about corruption betrayal and a whole lot of shooting and um <laughs> yeah for, the opposite like, of those british like you the last one you brought us to ronald was the responder and we talked about yeah. how in that like uh there's not a lot of gunplay because it's it's england you know yeah and if yeah, someone has yeah. a gun in that it's like what well, big fucking deal they've got a gun guns yeah. are just like flying around and people are just yeah. you know, and, and I mean I do I do think that's part of the style of like a Korean cop thriller but it's like this movie yeah, ticks all yeah, the boxes sure. of like the Korean cop thriller <laughs> right down to like the former uh rookie cop who's the bad protégé, guy I mean I don't know it, it definitely yeah. hits all the yeah the, yeah the protégé is the villain kind of stuff but no it's a yes it's gunplay aplenty in uh in Raging yeah. Fire <laughs> and I just you know I want to get you guys kind of on to the 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 non-American Donnie Yen stuff just to get in a headspace for the new John Wick. You know, he he showed up mysteriously in the new trailer and he's doing a lot of gun foo. And I cannot fucking wait for that. But in preparation, I wanted you to watch Raging Fire. So what did you guys think of this movie? Uh well, Ronald, I want to throw something at you before we get into our feelings. Like Benny Chan, sure. the director, this is his last movie that he that yeah. he worked on or that he finished. I, and I was looking into it and I realized, oh, I know some of his work, but I didn't know if Benny Chan is a figure that you would maybe want to speak about a little bit as far as his style and just like yeah, what he man. represented. Because, I mean, clearly this was considered to be, you know, in, in that genre I just mentioned, he, he was considered to be a pretty big name. So Yeah, man. When I think about Benny Chan, I think about like um, New Police Story with uh, Jackie Chan and stuff like that. There's a very specific... I, he goes for like imagine like Michael Mann sort of realism, like sort of grittiness with mm-hmm. a lot of well-shot action. Um, his legacy is is incredible. You should kind of look up... New Police Story is one of my favorites, but he, his, his work goes all the way back to like the 90s. Um, just real distinct, beautiful 
style. And it, and it, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're in a room and you're like, what what does this room contain that could kill me? And then I'll show like a hatchet in the corner, and then it just mm-hmm. he, he's very good at spatial awareness. Um, there's a scene in Raging Fire that I think about almost weekly. Um, the scene where he has to get the guy out of the bad neighborhood and he gets attacked by like what what I could count to be 150 people trying to kill him at once. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Though, you know, he, he creates these high stakes sort of uh, experiences that, you know, it's visceral, man. You feel it all in, and you see it on the screen and Donnie Yen really and I think Jackie Chan and Donnie Yen are his his muses, honestly. Um, they weren't in every movie that he's done, but but uh, Donnie Yen's in a ton of them. And I think that Donnie Yen became his, like, I have to make an amazing adult thriller with him. And uh, that also shows his acting chops. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Donnie uh, and, and Benny Chan. So, yeah. What you guys think? I mean, yeah. I, I got to say, like, I'm this is definitely a blind spot for me. Like in terms of like what I watch with any regularity, like there are a handful of, you know, these uh, action films, imports, like these foreign films that you kind of hear about, like wh- when it kind of gets past a certain point, like I feel like yeah. breaks into, you know, whether it's film Twitter or, you know, in the last maybe five, 10 years, film Twitter, or even yeah. before then, like, you know, some of the online boards I used to go on, but like, um, so like, had you not mentioned this movie, I don't know that I ever would have even heard of it to be blunt. And I feel like, you know, definitely aware of who Donnie Yen is and really just kind of of his reputation and in more recent years, like kind of what he's done in Hollywood. But um, I mean, my first feeling watching this was that like this felt like a like an action movie from like the 90s. Like it felt like just like in terms of the action and the gunplay and like, you know, they're the the, the good cop versus the bad cop or the or the cop that never was kind of thing like that, Mm. that kind of storyline. I'm even down to like the epic fight in a church, you know, like yeah. this, this, these little things that feel like you, you feel like you've seen them before in this kind of genre film, but you're, but like the cool thing was like, there's, they're being done in ways that you really maybe have seen before, but like from a different perspective or different approaches to action. And I think obviously the, the stunts in this movie are really incredible. And like, you know, the stunt work and uh, the choreography is just really impressive and, it just is one of those things where like when you watch one because it's recommended by someone whose opinion you value, you're like, man, like I got to watch more of these. Yeah. Or I got to seek out more of these or use that, that, that wealth of knowledge that you have. Cause I know you watch a lot of them. It's like, yeah, what sure. are the five best that you would tell me to watch? Because like this one I thought was, was really entertaining. I thought it was really, it, I had I enjoyed watching this, but it's like, there's gotta be ones that are just like knockouts, like, you know, just yeah. like all timers that I just know I've never seen and maybe I've never even heard of. And I walk away from watching this, like this is a really recent movie. And I'm just like, I never, I have, it has, I haven't even heard of it. Like I've been, yeah. bl- and, I, and I, and I read and hear about so much. Yeah, and that's yeah. like a, definitely a blind spot for me. And it bums me out a little bit because yeah, this was like fun to watch and especially looking for like a fun action kind of thriller. Um, and again, like John said, like I'm always down for like a good cop thriller. Like I just like that feeling. Um, yeah. and even your comment about some of the Michael Mann comparison that you just said, like, 
that stands out too, even, you know, to me, like I kind of thought the same thing in a couple sequences. Well, the crews, I, the, the, yeah. the, the different yeah. crews made me think about Michael Mann, yeah, the yeah. way that yeah. uh, Bong, yeah. who's our hero, had a crew that we don't really get to know, but we see them in enough scenes that we start to kind of know right. who they are and know that they're solid and kind of care about them. And the same thing happens with, um, I'm going to try to find his name because I don't want to always, uh, 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 Ngo or Ngo, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but uh, Nicholas Say uh, plays him, and uh, Donnie Yen <coughs> is Bong. Yeah, I I think that like the archetypes and the right and the kind of like, I mean you'd you'd watch this movie in any language, any country, and it would have similar like those 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 genre requirements that it has to have. I do think there's a thing about Korean, like I said specifically, cop thrillers, that in their culture, it's a little bit less. And maybe this movie is, I don't know if it's considered fashionable or old fashioned in the way that it's, it's definitely kind of a, we've talked about this with the responder, like you don't see a lot of like cop worship, cop genre stuff anymore. Most stuff now it's got like some yeah. inherent criticism of cops. I think that uh, Raging Fire sort of has that there are corrupt cops, but more so the idea of like the, the valiant cop, it is treated very seriously as a heroic character so much so that donnie yen we accept that he's against the brutal cops who are corrupt even though sometimes what he does to somebody he's trying to catch or somebody he's trying to stop <laughs> is incredibly brutal it's, so it's brutal. like the idea that it's it's kind of like that whole thing of batman doesn't kill anybody and you watch a batman movie and you're like really like, yeah he really tries not to kill anybody and you're like are we sure we're talking about yeah. the same batman batman the guy yeah. that just did all that i feel like the idea that he's a good cop is really only in comparison to the guys who are like doing you know really shady shit. but yeah, yeah it's an yeah, action yeah. hero movie and so that you're really looking at it for those fight choreography scenes and what you said steve that final fight in the church yeah it's got all of the marks of like you know the classic final battle but the 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 actors are doing some pretty amazing stuff with their bodies and with the timing of everything. And it does go on a little extra long, which is another kind of trait of these types of movies. When they get to like one of those action sequences, there's sort of an over the top quality to it. And if you, you know, it looks like a comic book sometimes, like you'll pull out and you'll see something that it's like, this looks like a drawing from a comic that you would have to work so hard to orchestrate it so right. that all the details you need to see are well lit and in focus. And there's 50 guys coming down this hallway and there's 20 guys down here and Donnie, <laughs> Yeah. is lit so that we can see where he is and we can see yeah. him as distinct from the others there's such an art to that stuff um that i yeah i, I kind of felt exactly the same way you said steve of like oh this is really fun i'm enjoying this and now i really want to know like what are because I've, I've seen a few of them probably i don't always remember the names of movies i've watched years ago like sunken into someone's couch but you know watching those korean cop thrillers there are some that yeah. have like they're a little bit more grounded than this or a little bit more kind of refined than this i feel like what you get from this is the production value of yeah. donnie yeah. in being a huge huge star and benny chan obviously being like uh uh the the you know a huge director so you are seeing like a lot of production value in this thing but i began to think oh it would be fun to try to like watch the 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 cream of the crop like the ones that people would say if this one's yeah. a little formulaic yeah, sure. what are the ones that define the genre and i kind of wanted yeah. to also maybe tag on to that a question to both of you about donnie yen's like on-screen persona i kept thinking in this movie it was kind of almost on an amusing level he's got real like disappointed dad or um or like um <laughs> yes. even more so like angry high school principal energy or something like the yeah. way that he responds to things is definitely like uh he's exasperated and he's a little bit almost whiny you know i mean in his like attitude yeah. like when he's fighting with the bad guy the bad guy's got all this seething uh, control and when they talk and donnie yen's got this kind of like 
come on, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what <are> you, <laughs> just get with it, you know. But I don't know. I, I, what do you guys think of Donnie Yen's like, uh, you know, on-screen persona and the way that he does have something a little bit different? He doesn't quite look like he's going to be the ass kicker. I think that might be something yeah. that works for him. Not even his face. Somehow, even his expressions, he just doesn't look like he's that guy. So when he does all this amazing stuff physically, I do think it. There's some kind of like not quite a comedic element, but there's like a surprise element. Even if you've seen him do it before, to the fact that he's this very normal looking guy and, and yeah. yet he can do all that. I, mean, I think that, I think that's it. Like that, I, I feel exactly with what you just said. Like, I think it's like, it kind of disarms you a little bit, you know, in terms of mm -hmm. expectations, especially if you're not like, I mean, obviously he's an international star. And like, if you, but if you don't know, uh, you know, if you go into a, a movie without that, with, without that expectation or without understanding, and you see, like, you know, the, his persona, like the way he carries himself, or even the way he physically, his face physically looks. Yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't like scream like I'm the action guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Until you start seeing him move. And then you're like, oh, well, yeah, I was wrong about that. Wait, he is. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Wait a second. I hope he's never mad at me. <laughs> there, there's a scene that kind of sums up how he is in most of his movies. Uh, you know, he go he goes, the, the catalyst for all this, this, craziness to kind of kick itself off is the son of a very uh, of a of a group commits a crime and they bring him into the room and it's like hey this guy committed a crime yeah. can you forgive him you're a cop and he's drinking some tea from this group of very rich people it's very expensive tea he takes two sips and he's like i took two sips so here's the money for the what i drank i don't want anything to do with this that's him that's his character it's like this like mm -hmm. kind of like captain america i think that's why i like captain america so much there's like in the middle his struggle is just trying to be a good person in the middle of very shitty people it doesn't mean that like every move will be the best move it just means that he'll try to do the best that he can in each situation yeah and i'm, I'm a big fan of that kind of morality you know it's it's a cool way to look at the world um, and I was a big fan of Jackie Chan stuff that kind of has the same sort of idea. I think they have the same blueprint, him and Jackie Chan. It's like, I, I want to be the the center that that has this moral compass that can't be broken. You know, so, um, yes, yeah, that's kind of the driving force of all of his movies, uh, including one of my favorites, uh, IP Man. That's the yeah. guy that trained Bruce Lee. That quadrilogy or whatever is flawless in my eyes if you want to start on something donnie yen related and don't necessarily want to get into the cop thing that's a amazing series I've seen i think the first ip man but i'm i can't okay. be sure that it's not maybe one of them just one of them but yes but but yeah, yeah it's a different vibe but it's a similar you're right that there's a similar kind of uh just a straight laced sort of hero and it's like an mm -hmm. unironic presentation maybe when you mentioned captain america of that kind of person who's going to do the right thing who almost has a stick up their ass about things, yes. you know, like yes. that that scene that you're talking about at the at the very close to the beginning of the film, where he pisses off the all, all the corrupt cops and the whole organization behind him, and shows him he's not going to even bend a little. Like you watch a scene like that, and you're like, there may have even been a way to handle that that didn't ruffle so many feathers. But yeah. he's just got no, he's just got no, yeah, yeah, no wiggle room in his own mind. Um, what I liked was how like sketched in his his home life was. It's like, oh, don't worry, folks, he's got a pregnant wife. You're only going to see yeah. her just long enough to recognize that that's what's going on, though. <laughs> I guess she comes into play in the movie. There's the threat. You know, they they do that whole 
she's you know your wife's in danger kind of scene and that yeah. scene is pretty yeah. crazy talk about an over-the-top scene actually that moment was like trying to figure out the different ways it could go wrong and how it could possibly go right i, w I was going you know it, it came it was pretty wild the way that the way that plays out yeah. Uh, anytime you have a bomb, like a bomb attached to somebody, that's always like, that's another standby in this type of movie. But you always feel yeah, sorry man. for the guy, the poor guy with the bomb stuck on him. <laughs> Craziness. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I, I can definitely suggest some movies. Um, but yeah, if you, I give IP man a, 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 a go. There's a big one that he has on Netflix that's really good. Just look up Donnie Yen and I yeah. think it's a net it's a Netflix original movie or something <laughs> like that. It's like one of those another cop movie where he's incredible kicking people in the chest. A lot of chest kicks too. A lot of chest kicks. A lot of a lot like of switching weapons around in mid fight too. That's another cool thing, is the way people's weapons get taken from them and used against them very, very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> If you uh, see a henchman come in and he's got an interesting weapon that's like a hook or something, yeah. you're like, oh, that guy, got, you know what guy? That hook's about to get used on you. <laughs> Donnie Yen's not going to stand it. for that. <laughs> Last thing I'll ask you guys Officer about, Bond. what do you think about the, the montage of him running that happens like the whole movie of him running towards the scene <laughs> in the rain, but it's like this exaggerated. Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. Sometimes and you, you do something that just just so it'll make a nice silhouette. You know, that's what it feels like. Yes. like you got to have yes. a nice side view of the. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you guys liked it. Well, all right, raging fire. So, Steve, what's our next required viewing? So, I, I you know before you we were recording, I was like, I'm going down the list of IMDb's top 250, and I was like, I'm going to pick something I haven't seen on there, and I don't know why this just popped in my mind, but um, I I didn't do that at all. I was not. I was planning to pick a movie I haven't seen. <laughs> Um, and then I got sidetracked. I saw a little news article pop up here, uh, while we were starting to record and, uh, it was talking about uh, a TNT show in its final sixth and final season called animal kingdom. Oh, and it reminded okay. me of the movie that it's based on 2010's oh. animal kingdom written and directed by David Michaud and starring, um, three of my favorite Australians. Or New Zealanders, I don't know exactly where they're from, but they're from that area. Of the Let me world, guess: but... Jocko, um, uh, Crocodile Dundee, and the guy from Minute Work. Yeah, it, yeah. amazingly, they're oh, all man. in this movie. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you got uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Yes. Okay. You got um, Guy Pierce. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then uh, you got Joel Edgerton. Um, but oh. if you've watched the show, if you know about the show, it's basically just like a crime family drama thriller. And um, I, I love the movie. I haven't seen it in years, but um, it made me kind of want to go back and watch it when I was reminded that the show, which I, I've watched the show, too, and, and I enjoy the show, but it's in its final season. So I was thinking, I don't know if you guys have seen Animal Kingdom or not, the movie. No, I haven't seen um, it. Yeah, it, it's kind of a movie that kind of sort of launched Ben Mendelsohn's Hollywood career. Most people yeah. don't know who he is prior to that movie. And kind of in that movie, um, if you've watched the show, Ronald, he kind of plays the Pope character in the okay. movie. So if you imagine that kind of role with Ben Mendelsohn in it, it's just he's he's incredible. But um, yeah, just I love I love the actors in it. The whole cast is great. Um, Jackie Weaver's in it as the mother. And uh, yeah, just and also one of the first ones that David Michaud kind of came out with here stateside. That was a kind of a big movie before he started doing you know, like stuff for Netflix or before we did the Rover or anything like that. But yeah, so I kind of want to watch Animal Kingdom again. So I'm going to go ahead and pick that. 
and uh, hopefully put that on some other people's radar. And uh, we'll talk about that next week for the required viewing portion of the show. Sweet. Cool. Um, exciting. So let's let's kind of wrap this up or kind of get towards the the the, the feature review here. Um, I got mentioned it earlier last Friday. The uh, Predator prequel came out. It's called Prey. It's on Hulu or internationally on different territories. It's on Disney Plus um, outside of the states, at least. But um, this is Dan Trachtenberg's new film. Um, what do you guys think of Prey? Wow, really? I That's interesting. Fucking love this movie. And Ronald, just maybe also add in like rank, you know, throw it in with all the other Predator movies. Like, what do you think of the Predator series? How does this does this does this stand okay. out to you as a Predator movie or just as kind of a movie on its own? Yeah, that's a good question, man. So um, I haven't seen the Predator movies in quite some time, but I do distinctly remember the feeling that I felt when I saw the first Predator. It was action packed. It was scary. Uh, the stakes were high and the brains were everywhere. And there's just something about the the how menacing it was it was so unique you know mm-hmm. like yo know, the the camo that this 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 predator had was unreal so the one i hold true in my brain is the first i don't i don't have much memory of the second um and then i watched the shane black one uh in 20 what, what year was it 2018 didn't love it but doesn't mean that Wasn't I wouldn't there a Robert go back. Rodriguez one too, or did I imagine that? No, there, there is was a Robert one. Rodriguez. Yeah, that was. Um, when was that one? Um, wait, did he direct it? Hold on a second. I don't know if he directed it. Um, now I'm second guessing myself. Yeah, but he was associated with it at some point, I guess. Maybe. Which one was that? Was that Predators? There was Predators, and then there was. Was the new one just called Predator again? The predator. The, the predator. Boy, that, that was the that was the Shane Black. Shane one. Black was the predator. So the Predators is the one that had Adrian Brody and yes, may have been associated with Robert Rodriguez in yeah, some way, I, but maybe not. Maybe he was off I, the project by the time it got. Yeah, made I don't know. Actually, that, that's funny you say that because he definitely was involved with something at some point. But it, it, yeah, the pre- Predators is coming up as yeah, uh, what's his name. Nimrod Antal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was a name um, unheard of, but I guess I thought that it was maybe. But maybe, maybe Rodriguez produced that. I mean, because that because he he's a Robert Rodriguez. Like he he's worked with him a lot. Uh, so yeah, he did. He was a producer on Predators. So okay. that's what it was. Okay. Um, um, I also saw that one. Um, it was okay. Uh, the, I would say I would the, say those are the those are the three good ones. Actually, in my opinion. I would say Predator, Prey, and Predators are like the three good ones of the whole thing for me. You know, yeah. <laughs> of all, I guess seven of them, um, those kind of are like are the ones that I think are at least good or or maybe very good. I, I like Predators quite a bit. I guess if we're counting Alien versus Predator, and right. th- That too. Oh, which, right. Which I don't really, I don't really count those in either series necessarily. However, I do think some part of me thinks of those movies as closer to Predator movies than they yeah. are alien movies just because yeah. of the kind of they style are, of them but I, sure. but i actually think that like you said ronald the first predator has a real fun kind of twist on a men on a mission kind of movie and it's like it's its own kind of action comedy not a comedy but the way all action movies had 
you know, one-liners and stuff in it. Yeah, it's its own yeah. kind of action movie that then turns into a, like a quasi horror kind of movie. And then it's about this test yeah. of wills between Arnie and the, and the, the, the creature. Um, and yeah, I think predator is a very full of memorable moments. And like you said, just the violence and the creative kills and the view of this creature that's doing something that we'd never really seen before. This idea that yeah. it's kind of like, you can see it's transparent, shadow sort of so to speak moving around yeah. and i don't know everything about it is like it, it's memorable you know and it's iconic and it creates it's the reason for all these other movies i was thinking recently about maybe watching predator 2 again just to see if i've maybe warmed up to it because i've seen a lot of people saying it's not so bad in light of people raving about prey you know yeah um yeah. but I, I i think prey to get back to the movie we're talking about here i do think that prey is like you said ronald it's very like there's something really confident about this movie. It's really solid. The idea is so fucking strong. Yeah, it makes you wonder why they don't do this with more. I mean, like any franchise does. You don't have to travel through time because not every not every franchise could be done that way. But just give mm -hmm. us a different setting. Do give us a different era if you can do it. I do think right. this being like set in, uh, you know, a but 1780 or something like that, and giving us um, First Nations. Uh, characters uh if i'm using the right term there um as the heroes of the story and like showing like the representation piece of that and the way that the movie i think the creators have you know tried to be as inclusive uh in terms of just how this movie is being presented i know that there's a comanche dub that you can watch on netflix i just um, watched that version well, I, you know, I put it back on with that. I didn't finish it, but I had it on with a little on, bit. I, on Hulu, on Hulu. Oh, is it on? I'm sorry, on Hulu. Um, uh, no, I'm in a different country where it's on Netflix. <laughs> no, but um, the fact that this is also like available to watch on Hulu, I mean, that's another thing that's pretty amazing. I think this movie ha got a lot of attention in the last week. Um, it's a, it is a, a huge effort, I think, to make a kind of a special movie. And I think that just the fact that we do have the, that the heroes are who they are, and particularly that the hero is who she is. Um, yeah. I think, is it Naru? Is that her name? Yep. The character's name? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's it makes what could be a more conventional story feel very fresh based on who it's about and the cultures that it's presenting and the way that it's presenting like this, not just the, the set in the past of our, you know, of existence, of human existence, but the fact that the Predator too feels like a more primitive version of what comes along later. Like you could believe it's 250 years or 200 years difference uh, for this creature, the technology, the way it's being used. So the Predator culture, there, there's hints of that developing as this movie goes on too. And just the creative use of its invisibility. There's a scene where it, it kills a bear and raises it above its head and just what happens there. There's just some cool stuff going on that, that I um, started playing it and Nikki didn't know that it was a Predator movie. And I normally don't do this when she was like, what is this? I was like, just watch. You know, normally I'll explain, but I was like, no, it'd be kind of fun to have someone realize what they're watching and realize this is a Predator movie because it doesn't scream it from the first minute. But once right, it started up, Nikki, it was so funny how she was almost in this weird kind of denial. She was like, is this, that looks like the Predator. Is this the Predator? Is this like, this is kind of like a Predator movie. And I finally was like, yes, it's a Predator movie. I'm sorry I didn't tell you at the beginning. But like just the fact that it does feel so, fr it is both so totally in the formula of maybe 
maybe even the first Predator movie. And yet it also feels like such a reinvention of it in so many ways. Yeah. And I will say this too. I liked the way it was shot. I thought this was a pretty movie. The scenery, the forest, the 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 meet the the lead performance. Um, there's a lot to like or love about this movie. Uh, and if you're a dog lover uh, and you want to see the dog, uh, you know, make it through as much of the movie as you would hope a dog makes it through, I'll just go ahead and tell you, watch this movie. You know, other animals don't do so well, <laughs> but the sure. dog, the dog comes out pretty, pretty okay. Um, yeah. No, it just felt fresh. I mean, it feels odd to say that about a movie that really kind of fits the cookie cutter template of predator comes to earth, picks off people, you know, somebody beats yeah. it. But I, I thought it was, well staged and somehow it's small despite feeling like the scope of it's kind of big but it's a small sort of story uh as far as you know just what happens in the movie there's no there's no earth threatening stakes it's just can you survive this this monster yeah, yeah. and naru is a very clever think? person she, she, very I, I clever i loved it man i'll be honest with you like i've been raving about this movie uh Definitely one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. I, I think it's one of the things that like, um, kind of like John was saying, it's just kind of like, it feels like it's a back to basics approach to what a predator movie should or could yeah. be. And the idea of like, just, it's so simple. Just like, it's just in nature, you know, it's like, it's just the idea of these, these forces, you know, battling in nature. <clears throat> and I really, really think the movies, one of the strongest things about it is just simply the idea uh, you know, following Naru's character, like through her tribe in terms of like her, this underdog feeling, you know, about not capable of doing things that she knows that she can do um, because of, you know, the expectations of, of, of her tribe or, or whatever. And even like the relationship that she has with her brother. Um, and I'd, I'd love the way that it approaches that even in terms of like how the predator sees her, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the idea of like, not a threat. And, and, you know, and without the realization of how threatening she really is, because she's so fucking smart and intelligent yeah. and just resourceful. And uh, I think the way that ramps up in the last like 40 minutes of the movie, because it, I feel like it really does kick in, you know, at a certain point um, and uh, kind of incorporates a lot of the, the hunting that that tribe does. And like, even when, when there's a couple of inter uh, interactions with, some of the other warriors from the tribe, like, like the kind of blows that they get on the predator yeah. that are successful. And, you know, you kind of start to see the little like kinks in the armor and, uh, it's a slow learning process. Yeah. Right. It, exactly. Yeah. And, and then she's watching that too, you know, like she, she benefits from the idea of I can, I'm not a threat. So I'm seeing like what works and doesn't. And like, you know, you can kind of see her working through all that in the last, you know, 20 minutes or so of the movie. But, um, I thought she was incredible. I think she, I mean, hopefully this movie does a lot for her career because I thought she was just awesome on the screen just as a, as a, you know, action star. Like it just, she was great. Um, and I, and I also just wanted to say, I really kind of like the look of this predator a lot. You know, the idea of it being, you know, hundreds of years before the original predator movie, it's like, you know, the idea that these creatures, these monsters would have looked a little different. They're a little more, they're a little leaner, you know, like it looks more, mm -hmm. Uh, a little more mobile, a little more, uh, you can see a little more emotion in it, even, you know, like little frustration almost at times. Yeah. Um, when, when those tides start to change and like I a thought bone that was helmet cool. too, or a skull helmet rather than, right. A, yeah. I thought that yeah. was cool. You know, like that's, that's a little more sensitive to certain weapons, certain battle things. I don't know. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And, uh, I, yeah. I'm happy to see it. They, they, they said this week that it's like the, the highest premiere for any Hulu original, whether it's TV or movies. 
and uh that's awesome and it yeah. did really well across every territory i think and did for all disney plus and star plus which is where it premiered internationally it was like the highest watched thing there as well which is just cool you know and um hopefully it does a lot for for dan trachtenberg i really like him as a director i like i like his his eye for i like the idea of shooting on location it looks like they shot a lot of this on location and from what i've heard of him on a few podcasts um that they did do that and uh well that might be why it looks so pretty it looks right there yeah, it looks just great. That it's actually shot it's, in the real yeah. Yeah. beautiful wilderness or untouched it's gorgeous wilderness. Yeah. yeah it looks great on the, on um, the screen i just watched the never-ending story not too long ago so i just saw the sinking scene oh yeah that was almost shot identical to the I, he has to have thought sure. about that right? oh he's like he's like super pop culture like okay he's, okay. he's like he had i think it, he had some sort of career initially in like youtube uh pop culture gaming oh. stuff like like you look into him like when he yeah. did 10 cloverfield lane he used to have a, a a youtube series podcast that i used to listen to that he was like a host of years mm. and years ago and oh, then he wow. kind of he pivoted and was doing like game commercials and he was doing a lot of like you know music videos and things like that and then 10 cloverfield was like his big break but he's like super on his sleeve about like 80s 90s pop culture shit so i think that, that connection that you're, you're mentioning is probably a direct connect to something like yeah. never story it i mean it was it was a white kid in in native <clears throat> american garb doing it in the in the previous version right. how cool was it that there yeah. was a native person actually doing it and how crazy is it that the stinger at the end of the movie was done as uniquely as it was? Like yeah. that blew my mind. Like I, I it's it's just yeah. every piece of this movie has a lot of love in it. Um, and I just you feel it, you feel it. And I've kind of said this before. I I I I don't know how Hulu does it. But I've never seen like Hulu is a standard of quality in terms of the way their shows look, the way their movies look. Yeah. And this is just an example of, you know, just the quality that comes with their stuff. I can't wait to talk about one of the future Hulu projects that's coming out. But this is this is flawless. And I cannot wait to see what he has coming up. But this is. Yeah. I, I, I want to mention also with John, you talked about Nikki. Sure. I, I I can say the same as that, like I kind of dragged Aaron. I, I like not the same, but similar, like where she had like really is like, oh, this looks cool. Like, what is mm -hmm. this? She doesn't have some any connection to Predator or anything, but it was the kind of experience where it was like I could sense her getting into the movie, you know, yeah. as it as it as it kind of trucked along. And like she really, really liked it. Yeah. So it was like, is that kind of cool, like discovery it you know i guess of like no idea what this movie is no interest in you watching this why do you have to wow. watch this right now hold on a second like what just happened like yeah, what's oh going shit on? that's cool whoa she just right. tied up <laughs> she tied like a string to her like uh hatchet so she could pull it back and like be super cool with it oh, okay she i could like yeah. feel her getting into it yeah. which is really fun um well we should mention but, her by name amber mid thunder i believe is yeah is her yes, name and she was she star was, she was great on um on uh what was legion. the show legion yeah. yeah she was on that show very memorable on that show but this is even yeah. more of a character and she gets to play i mean i know like the style of this movie is very interesting there's a very contemporary sort of english style to the dialogue that i think makes it maybe more immediately engaging to to a, a modern audience but the yeah. fact that you can watch it dubbed in comanche with subtitles is is it's a great 
you know, way to keep that language alive. There are segments of the movie where they're speaking Comanche. Um, yeah. But I think that this is just, you know, this should be the beginning. This should be one of a uh, hundred movies we can think of that that approach this culture in this way. Uh, and that yeah. it's not as a shame. But I do think, it, yeah, it feels like a real victory for representation. And I've seen a few people sort of posting about it in that very sincere way, saying this is a really badass character. Um, and a really cool way to have this character emerge so much so that you think, okay, what, where do you go next? Do you do, do you do prey too? Do you know what I mean? Like, is the next movie almost as much of a a Nauru story as it is a a predator story? That's where I would be thinking some kind of rematch with this character. But if this is a one, one and done kind of thing, uh, I sure hope this isn't the last time someone looks at this milieu and says, this, this is a great backdrop for a, for all kinds of genre stories, you know? Yeah. Any kind of fantasy thing, and you know the way that I've, the, the way that like the French trappers and settlers are like depicted too is like it's good to have those. It's like in the Jurassic Park movie or the Twister movie. You need you need evil scientists. Well, yeah. in this in this you know in the movie with people versus alien, you need some evil humans. And I thought that those that those French characters were a great choice because yeah, they're doing some pretty nasty shit, and it's hard it's hard to like them in any way. So yeah. it's fun to see them get shredded. There's a there's an extended scene where they just get totally like one after another taken down by the predator, and it's a really it's a really <laughs> crazy scene because it really is okay. Here's about ten inventive you know kind of different kills, and I, yeah. that's one thing I gotta say I respect about the predator. He he seems to like to do a different kind of kill. Like he doesn't want any two kills in a row to be exactly the yeah. same. Yeah. And sometimes he'll let you get a shot off before he, you know, comes up and cuts your head off. And I, I, I respect that. <laughs> uh, and to okay, your point, yep. Steve, yeah, the character of the Predator actually emerges a little bit over this movie, too. Maybe not more so than other movies, but definitely as, if that's a theme of Predator, is that you sense when the Predator is, like, wounded or when he's got to be resourceful, you do sense this Predator's kind of... The respect he's maybe forming for the 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 heroine like while she's learning about how to fight him he's learning that she's a threat and i think that's kind of a cool yeah. trajectory yeah for sure really cool man if you haven't seen it yet definitely like a recommend i think from all of us if, if you have hulu um to check it out it's definitely worth your time um yeah so it's, it's funny because i feel like i've seen way more about prey in in any kind of conversation that I've seen about Bullet Train, which was like the big release last week, even mm-hmm. though I want to see Bullet Train, I do too. Me too. It's just kind of crazy that like the whole my whole feed and people just out in my work like talking about Prey, and I think there's something to say for that. So I mean, it's something that's worth your time and definitely recommend it. Um, Ronald, you wanted to mention another. Well, I mean, yeah, that that's pretty much it. But you wanted to mention that you had a another show, or was it a series you wanted to mention? Yeah. Um. This today. Um, as you were listening to this, Hulu has dropped another show that is just working on all levels. Uh, and that is This Fool. Um, and it's done by Krista Strada, a stand-up comic. Uh, it's basically about uh, a group called Hugs Not Thugs that rehabilitates gang members, former gang members, drug addicts. And uh, the way to bring them together is through the discipline of baking, uh, <laughs> baking cupcakes, uh, and it just is. It 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 has it highlights gang culture in a way that I just have never seen before. Um, you know, there's like this this funny sort of scene where a, a gang member. It's in the trailer where the uh, a gang a gang members 
trying to be convinced by the main character played by Chris Estrada, um, Julio, to to kind of stop gangbanging and join the group. And he's like, you know, you sound like a a, a bitch. He's like, you know, the the average lifespan of a, of a gangster is thirty two. The average life of a of a bitch ass fool is seventy. Sorry, it was sixty nine or sixty six, something like that. It's like it, you know, it's that kind of humor that makes us very strong. Um, right. So I say the standouts are Julio, played by Chris Estrada, the guy that wrote and uh, pretty much ran the show. Michelle Ortiz, his ex girlfriend. His cousin is getting out of jail the first episode, and it's uh he's trying to convince him to go into hugs not thugs uh who's played by a uh, frankie quenez uh he is really really funny man he is kind of the centerpiece of the of the humor besides uh julio's character and then um what the hell uh and then there's michael imperioli who who runs the program man He's like a conspiracy theorist. Uh, hates hates the establishment, but also needs money from the establishment to keep the program going. So he is a fucking force in this show, and he grounds it because he's he's kind of the unbiased party in a lot of the conflicts that take place. And it's it is comic gold, man. Like it's it's one of the best shows I've seen in the past ten years, hands down. Um, wow! Worth checking out. That comes out today. Comes out today. I think it's ten episodes. It's it's ten dense half an hour episodes, like laughing from start to finish kind of episodes. I don't know how they they pulled it off. Cool. Yeah, definitely check that out. Cool. Um. All right. Cool, man. Let's wrap it up. Uh, MovieSchmovie.com is the website. You can hit that up and uh, subscribe if. Whatever podcast platform you use, we should be able to link you to it right from there. You can even listen to the past uh, episodes right there on that website and also jump to the social medias from there. If you want to go to the YouTube page and subscribe for the videos that Ronald puts together, make sure you hit subscribe and uh, the little bell so you get notifications when the new ones come out. Um, otherwise, we'll be back next week again. The required viewing for next week, if you want to watch along, is called Animal Kingdom from 2010. Um, not the TV show, the movie. And uh, we'll talk about that next week. Um, but we'll talk to you then. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.